0: Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP, 106.5 FM, Louisville. Also streaming worldwide at forwardradio.org. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 352. Today's topic is Wars Are Us. So this is the Climate Report. Why are we talking about war on the Climate Report? For one thing, the Pentagon is the world's biggest consumer of fossil fuels, the Department of Defense. Plus, the purpose of our military, arguably, is to preserve our unfair advantage on the world stage, whereby we can continue to consume 25% of the world's resources, 5% of the world's population consuming 25% of the world's resources. Arguably, the purpose of the military is to preserve that Advantage, even though it's not distributed equally within the United States, still. As a country, we're consuming about five times more than our fair share of the world's resources. Thus, and that consumption takes a lot of fossil fuels and is a major cause of global warming. Plus, war, and this is the most important, I think, war involves important questions about how we are governed and by whom we are governed. And climate involves important questions about how we are governed and by whom we are governed. We need to get away from this kind of grade school uh, mentality that says, you know, we have three branches of government and we have a democracy and we have an electoral college. And, but that's not how power is really wielded. That's not what determines what really happens in our country and the world. So to solve the climate crisis, we need to talk about governance. We need to talk about power. How are we truly governed? And who really wields power? So the topic is Wars Are Us. And the idea is that wars are the way we settle conflicts. There's hardly any effort in genuine diplomacy. There's hardly any investment in general uh, there's hardly any investment in actual diplomacy. Somebody said, here's U.S. foreign policy. Do what we say or we'll kick your teeth in. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. Also the idea behind wars are us is wars are the way we get what we want. Except it's not fairly distributed within our country, but wars are the way that the United States gets what it wants. Wars are the way that we, the populace, get stirred up against some perceived external threat. So, essentially, we're being lied to. Unless we bring the war machine under control, there's no reason for us to hope that our climate or environmental problems will be solved and they will continue to get worse. There may be hope, but as long as the war machine continues unabated, we have no reason, we have no rational basis. Or that hope. James Madison said of all the enemies to public liberty, war is perhaps the most to be dreaded, because it comprises and develops the germ of every other. War is the parent of armies, from these proceed debts and taxes, and armies and debts and taxes are the known instruments for bringing the many under the domination of the few no nation could preserve its freedom in the midst of continual warfare james madison 1795 and yet what do we have now if not continual warfare the charter of the united nations provides a stark contrast between our foreign policy as it is, and our foreign policy as it should be. The Charter of the United Nations is a treaty that we entered into. Our Constitution says treaties are the law of the land. If we enter into a treaty, then it becomes United States law. So it should be uh, respected, And and if we're violating this, then we're violating our own Constitution but the United Nations Charter, which we signed in the late 40s, says that all members shall refrain in their international relations from the threat or use of force against the territorial integrity or political independence of any state. Repeat, all members, that concludes us, shall refrain in their international relations from the threat or use of force Against the territorial integrity or the political independence of any state. Well, we do that a thousand times before breakfast because all over the world there are, you know, there are a thousand military bases. For one thing, the very existence of a military base contains within it the threat of the use of force. And of course, since this was signed in the late 1940s, the United States has been at war almost. I would say the United States has been at war constantly without exception since 1945. So our topic is Wars Are Us, which shows the is the, the to show the contrast between our foreign policy as it is and our foreign policy as it should be. So let's look at a recent expression of foreign policy from the White House. It says China, the PRC, People's Republic of China, but the PRC is the only competitor with both the intent to reshape the international order and increasingly the economic, diplomatic, military, and technologically technological power to advance that objective. Key words, intent to reshape the international order. It's like, hey, they can't reshape the international order. That's our job. It says the uh, PRC, People's Republic of China, the PRC's assertive behavior has caused other countries to push back and defend their sovereignty for their own legitimate reasons. It's like, how dare the People's Republic of China be assertive? But we're going to see in a minute they have not been uh, assertive, anything on the order like we have, according to former President Carter, who spoke with former President Trump in 2017. So the National Security Strategy continues. It says, Some parts of the world are uneasy with the competition between the United States and the world's largest autocracies. It's like, they're autocracies and we're a democracy. We stand for democracy. We stand for freedom. We're the good guys. It says, We understand these concerns. We also want to avoid a world in, competi- in which competition escalates Into a world of rigid blocks. Emphasis on the phrase a world of rigid blocks. Well, what has the U.S. done with its sanctions regimes except divide the world into a world of rigid blocks? There's, you know, the United States is in one rigid block and Cuba is in another rigid block. Cuba is 90 miles from the coast of the United States but Cuba cannot trade with the United States. Venezuela is close to the United States, but they can't trade with the United States. Nicaragua is close to the United States, but Nicaragua cannot trade with the United States. So the United States is the one that is responsible for di- dividing the world into a world of rigid blocks. Plus, w- with when the war in Ukraine started, we put sanctions on Russia, thus depriving Europe of the relatively affordable heating fuel, natural gas, that they could otherwise get from Russia. But then Russia is able to sell it on the world market, and Europe is unfortunately not able to buy it on the world market. Gas prices are going up for Americans and the United States has hurt itself more than anybody else by imposing sanctions on Russia and thereby dividing the world into a world of rigid blocks, rigid trading blocks. And Somebody might say, Hart, you're the climate report guy. You're supposed to want fossil fuels to go up so that we'll consume less of them. And I say, solve the war problem and then we'll talk about limiting fossil fuels. Plus, we shouldn't limit fossil fuels in a way that is the most harmful to the people with the least money. Europeans with the least money are the most harmed by this crazy uh, sanctions regime on Russia which deprives them of affordable heating fuel. And Americans with the least money to spend are the most hurt by rising gas prices. We don't need to be balancing the carbon budget on the backs of the poor. And nothing is gonna help our climate or our environment or our biological, uh, our biosphere, unless we bring the war machine under control. Continuing with the president's national security strategy, it says, we do not seek conflict or a new cold war that is dripping with hypocrisy it, it is completely counterfactual it is completely ahistorical the united states is the author of the old cold war and the united states is the author of the new cold war which all all of which points to the dramatic difference between what we're supposed to believe reading this document, and what is actually too, true. There's, there's such a huge disconnect between this document and the facts on the ground that it, it's safe to say that this national security strategy lives in an alternative universe that doesn't exist and is completely out of touch with reality. Let's look at this report from NPR from April 15, 2019. This story is about a letter that President, former President Jimmy Carter sent to then President Donald Trump. And Trump told Carter that he was concerned about how China is quote unquote getting ahead of us. And Carter agreed, yes, China is getting ahead of us. And do you know why, Carter said, I normalized diplomatic relations with China in 1979. Since." 1979, do you know how many times China has been at war with anybody? None. And we have stayed at war, he said. So all this rhetoric about China being a threat, and China has not been at war outside its own borders in 40 years. The United States has been at war all but three of those years according to Jimmy Carter I would say it was at war even in those years because he says that the world was not at war for three years during his own administration that the United States was not at war during the three years of his own administration but we were funding the worst elements in Latin America including El Salvador Guatemala Honduras Colombia Brazil So that's war. That's an act of war. But the point by Jimmy Carter is well taken. He says that we've been at war almost the entire time in the last 40 years since my administration, which points to the stark contrast and the canyon-sized difference between the world as it is and the world as it is. The White House rhetoric would have it be. And it doesn't matter whether there's a Republican or a Democrat in the White House. The same is true. The United States is constantly at war. We have the largest de- defense, so called defense budget in the world. The defense budget is upwards of $750 billion per year right now. And the Pentagon budget is only part of our true defense uh, expenditures and expenses. Because once you, you, you start with the Pentagon budget, you add the Department of Energy for all the nuclear weapons, and then you add Veterans Affairs, you add CIA, which is part of the Pentagon budget, but then in addition to the Pentagon budget, uh, Energy Administration, and Veterans Affairs, you need to add Department of Homeland Security, So the true out-of-pocket cost of war, just to the taxpayers, far exceeds $1 trillion per year, and that averages out to about $3,000 per American. So think, every American on a per capita basis pays $3,000 per year. Of course, some pay less and some pay more, but if you average it out on a per capita basis, then every American could buy a house with what? we spend every year on the Pentagon budget plus other costs of war. In the words of Michael Parenti, the Republic pays for the empire. The empire does not benefit the average person, but the average person pays for it. The average person pays for an empire that primarily benefits Wall Street and the very rich. So Carter goes on to say the United States is the most warlike nation in the history of the world. Imagine that, a former president of the United States saying the United States is the most warlike nation in the history of the world. And what he's saying is absolutely true. According to a story in Telesur English, uh, April 18th, 2019. It's about the same conversation that Jimmy Carter had with Donald Trump. Uh, he says, Carter said that the U.S. has been at peace for only 16 of its 242 years as a nation. Counting wars, military attacks, and military occupations, there have been exactly only uh, five years of peace in U.S. history. It's, it's easy to forget how warlike the United States is if you're not on the wrong end of American guns. Most of the rest of the world is at the wrong end of American guns, and it's easy for them to remember and to be cognizant of the fact that the United States is a very warlike nation and typically, almost always, hypocritical as to the reasons we are at war to begin with listen to the words of simone bolivar simone bolivar was the liberator of south america in the early 1800s his full name was simon jose antonio de la Santísima trinidad bolivar y palacios having a little fun with a long latin american name simon jose antonio de, de la Santísima. Trinidad Bolivar y Palacios, the full name of Simone Bolivar. He, according to Wikipedia, he was the Venezuelan military and political leader who led, what current, uh, who led what are currently the countries of Colombia, Venezuela, Ecuador, Peru, Panama, and Bolivia to independence from the Spanish Empire. He is known colloquially as El Libertador, or the Liberator of America. Simone Bolivar said, now this is early 1800s, he says, There is at the head of this great continent a very powerful country, very rich, very warlike, and capable of anything. He also said, The United States seems destined to plague and torment the continent in the name of freedom. The continent he's talking about is South America. The United States seems destined to plague and torment the continent in the name of freedom. In other words, lots of lip service about freedom, lots of rhetoric about freedom, but the rhetoric and the reality are two different things. We wouldn't be tormenting South America if we were truly interested in freedom. The United States, sorry to break it to you, is just not interested in freedom. All the interest in freedom is at the level of lip service and not policy and not reality. The facts on the ground don't speak of the American commitment to freedom. It only speaks Especially outside our borders, it speaks of the tyranny which we impose on others. And this goes to the issue of governance. You know, we're not going to solve any of our environmental problems or social problems if we don't understand who wields power. So, back to President Biden's national security strategy, and it could be any president saying this because the differences between the presidents are. Immaterial. If you look at the reality of the world over which they preside and not at the rhetoric. So the National Security Strategy says, So the United States will continue to defend democracy around the world, even as we continue to do the work at home to better live up to the idea of America enshrined in our founding documents. We will continue to invest in boosting American competitiveness, Okay, let's talk about this. American competitiveness. Who needs competitiveness? Is competitiveness good for the workers of America? Is competitiveness good for our environment? Is is competitiveness good for our social fabric? It says, We will partner with any nation that shares our basic belief that the rules-based order must remain the foundation for global peace and prosperity." Okay, rules-based order is something you, you hear over and over and over ad nauseum. It's a phrase that is supposed to sound like the rule of law, but we can't say the rule of law because international law is something that actually exists and According to Ben Norton, and I agree with this, nobody breaks international law more than the United States. Name one country that breaks international law more than the United States. Name a country that disregards international law more than the United States of America. You can't name one because they don't exist. There's not even a close second on the world stage, which points to the difference between the rhetoric and the reality. A rules-based order is completely fiction. The rules-based order is we make the rules and order other countries around. That's the rules-based order. And Okay, this is a show about environment, and I'm here to say that we're not going to solve any of our environmental problems as long as we have one country in the world that is a complete thug and criminal on the world stage. We're not going to have clean water. We're not going to get our carbon emissions under control as long as there's one country that is roaming around the globe seeking whom it will devour. But I'm not finished with this sentence. It says, We will partner with any nation that shares our basic belief that the rules-based order must remain the foundation for global peace and prosperity. Yeah, peace and prosperity. We want prosperity for everybody but not really. We want peace, but not really. Paraphrasing George Carlin, making war for the sake of peace is like fornicating for the sake of virginity. But I digress. And it says, and we will continue to demonstrate how America's enduring leadership to address the challenges of today and tomorrow with vision and clarity, is the best way to deliver for the American people. Actually not. Constant war is not how to deliver from, for the American people. A uh, Constant hypocrisy is not how to deliver anything good for the American people. Like Michael Parenti says, the Republic pays for the Empire, both in money and in lost liberties. Like James Madison says, no people can expect to maintain its freedoms in the midst of war. War is the, be- is the biggest threat to our freedoms. Like Martin Luther King said at the Riverside Church one year to the day before his death, the final phase of our national sickness is the disease of militarism. We are arrogant in professing to be concerned about the freedom of foreign nations while not setting our own house in order. No enemy has ever been able to cause such damage to us as we inflict upon ourselves. When machines and computers... Profit motives and property rights are considered more important than people, the giant triplets of racism, economic exploitation, and militarism are incapable of being conquered. A civilization can flounder as readily in the face of moral bankruptcy as it can through financial bankruptcy. A nation that continues year after year to spend more on military defense than on programs of social uplift is approaching spiritual death. Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., 1967. Let's talk about the war in Ukraine for just a minute. Chris Hedges writes this. Billions in U.S. taxpayer dollars have been stuffed into the pockets of defense contractors in the name of providing military aid to Ukraine perpetuating a war-profiteering bonanza that has cost trillions of dollars over the past two decades and brought ruin to Afghanistan, Libya, Syria, Iraq, Yemen, and other nations. So Chris Hedges is naming five countries that are clearly the subject of American aggression. So you add those all together and you're talking trillions of dollars for the domination and destruction of Afghanistan, Libya, Syria, Iraq, Yemen, and other nations. And all of this is a military bonanza. It's a bonanza. It's a gravy train for the military-industrial complex. War is for money and not much else. And look at the countries in this list of five. Syria and Yemen are hardly talked about at all. Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, we can always say, well, that was a long time ago. Only 10 years. Yeah, but that was a long time ago. Welcome to the United States of amnesia, where we don't remember that we've been lied into the last three wars, and the three before that, and the three before that, and the three before that, and so on, and so on, and so on, 242 years. Chris Hedges goes on, he says, Meanwhile, mass media has loyally propagated a narrative of war that favors the interests of NATO and the U.S. in manufacturing consent for a prolonged conflict designed to weaken Russia. Okay, all these people who have Ukrainian flags on their social media profile, the United States is not trying to protect the people of Ukraine. The United States does not care about the people of Ukraine. The purpose of the war, the purpose of our you know, support for this proxy war, we now have boots on the ground, but the purpose of this war is to weaken Russia. Lindsey Graham has said that. And guess who else? Uncle Joe Biden has said that the purpose of this war is to weaken Russia. He has even, in his stupor, has said, Putin has to go, which is a call for regime change. Hello, this is another nuclear power. This is a proud people. This is a people who lost 27 million people in the wo- World War II. These morally bankrupt pinheads are playing with our lives. Oh, look at the time. That's all for today. Catch you next time.